Hey everyone, welcome to the Create Initiative Podcast. I uh, hope you've had a pleasant day and uh, Kyler is already laughing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what is wrong? <laughs> I'm Jason Evans. Over to my left, laughing Hi. is Kyler Clapp. Uh, Kyle Lee is joining us from his classroom. How's it going, Kyle? Swimmingly. Swimmingly. <laughs> uh, producer Chris, how's it going for you, man? Hey, it's going groovy. Going groovy. Groovy, swimmingly, hysterically, ha-ha. apparently. <laughs> Just a ha-ha. Uh, what a day. What a day. Well, um, it's been a week, everybody. We've, we've uh, survived voting day. Uh, as of this recording, we still don't have a president for the year 2021. Um, but Hey, you know, hopefully that'll be rectified. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, we'll know who that is. Um, but, uh, how was your week, everyone? It was good. Oh no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was not a good week. Yeah. You're still struggling. Yeah, I don't have power still. This is day nine, day nine without power. Yeah. And they've told you it'll be at least two more days. Yeah. And then my car broke at lunch. So it's been a rough day. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. My fan broke. Car broke. Yeah. (laughs) What happened? My fan that cools off my engine just decided to stop working Hasn't again. that happened before? Yeah, so my dad ordered a new one, and I guess this one didn't fit the parts right, so... Have you tried getting one of those fans that can plug into the cigarette lighter? Then you could just kind of run that <laughs> around under your, into your hood? That's not how that works. <laughs> hey, I had a car for several years that was held together by electrical tape, so... <laughs> and a cigarette lighter fan? <laughs> yeah. So uh, cool. my first car, the heat didn't work, and so I had a cigarette lighter heater that would oscillate inside of my car. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. My my first truck uh, had a hole in the bottom of the floorboard right below my my feet. So in yeah. the summertime, spit hole. Yeah, in the summertime, I'd leave it open because I had no AC or heat. So in the summertime, I'd leave it open so air would rush in, and then the wintertime, I'd put a board over it to try to keep the cold air out. And my my driver's side window didn't shut down or roll down either. So it was a great, great vehicle. I love that truck. What was yours, Chris? Yeah, mine was also a truck. It also did not have AC. Um, Yeah, my family has a uh, tradition of not having AC working in their vehicles. Like currently, (laughs) my family's Durango doesn't have AC. So my dad, he does have a a little fan that he's clipped to his uh, visor and it oscillates right into his face. So, nice. Yeah. Way to go. Yep. Nice. Perfect. Yeah, I didn't have a vehicle with AC until I think it was like 23, 24. Um, and even at that, it was I like an old I didn't have one for the past five years. <laughs> yeah, good for you, Kyle. Good for you. Way to stay strong with that. How's that new car treating you? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so should I keep my not good keep, car? Hey, yes, I've been, keep the car. Listen, I've got a fan for you. Listen, whenever you <laughs> whenever you have a baby at the hospital, um, they give you this little clip-on fan, and uh, you can have it. We're not having any more babies. <laughs> and do, you, so, do you have four of them? No, I don't know what the deal was. I, maybe I don't even know. We've got the fan. It's a hospital fan. There you go. It's all yours. Do, do they and clip them on like the the little baby bed, or was this for when you were leaving, going home from the hospital? I like no, I think it's more of like a you know, your wife's in like the struggle of her life. Cooler down. Her eyes are 
separating on her face because she's pushing so hard. And just like just a, pull out this tiny little fan. Yeah, it's like, here you go. This might help. <laughs> Somebody right. get the fan. Uh, and then they let you keep it. Get the fan! Oh, I don't know if they let you keep it. I was filling up... I was filling that pillowcase with everything in the whole room. <laughs> like, Taking paintings off the wall. Yeah, anything teamwork. that was removable was being removed. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Like, did we need an IV monitoring station? No. But <laughs> but if you ever need to put an IV yeah. in your arm, you're ready. Well, you know, I was doing it because hopefully, you know, one of these days I'll be able to start my own hell house and just really... <laughs> Really help the teens, have the teens going through there and see what real life is like when you don't have Jesus and just scare them into accepting the Lord or, or you know what? Yes, because fear, yeah. fear is how we get there. Fear equals heaven. Remember that. Fear equals, well, you yeah. know, because of COVID, did you guys see any of those hell houses or judgment, judgment house like things? Like in... Or? in response to like their social distancing guidelines well i just honestly i never saw any like signs or anything for any this year i heard Mm -hmm. about a a haunted car wash i don't go to haunted houses but i would have gone to that yeah i've heard about that but i mean like the church ones like the the yeah i looked up the other day get right with jesus the The only thing haunted about my car wash is the prices (laughs) wow yeah, the one in Tulsa, it was shut down because of all this. No, wait, so. did y'all, I think it cut out. Did y'all the hear my house? last joke? Uh, is that the one that? <laughs> yeah, we heard it. Yeah, it's about it. uh, Guts, Guts Church. Church yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we said. <laughs> what? I said, oh, well, what church? I can't say. And you're like, oh, the one at Guts Church. <laughs> Can we not say that? I mean, I don't know. I, I think, Why can't we say Guts? I mean, I think they're proud of their what they do, aren't they? I hope yeah. we're bleeping it every single time. <laughs> Guts. Chris, can, can we do that? that? Yeah. Can, can we bleep that, it? Good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, Kyler, sorry about your car. Uh, as always, mine is available for sale. It's so. just, I don't want your car. I want a Jeep Renegade 2016. You know, some people. <gasps> like uh, Perfectly perfectly good car. It's got a brand new AC in it. It actually got a windshield today. It's a mom car. So. Don't tell Camber I said that. It's wow. a, Hey, I will sell you my new car. I'm it's a done fine with it. car. Honestly, when I test drove it, it was just it was too much for me. Also, I had to scoot the seat way up to touch the pedals. Well, that happens. Well, okay, let's don't blame the car. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move on. We're, we can we can talk about cars off the air. No one cares about that. <laughs> but um, this has been car talk. This has been because we can talk about that. Car talk, height deficiencies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, um, let's let's go go on. I've got a top three today uh, that I want to get you guys' opinions. Um, so let's just do it right now. Okay. Here's our uh, top three. Bing, bing, bing. Out of tune. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. So top three. Uh, I was oh, trying to get creative with three. this one. And uh, I thought, let's do the top three Christian genre groups of your adolescence. Like your, so from like ages 12 to 18, mm. your top three, like, and I say Christian genre. I know people get upset about like Christian You're talking music. about music? Yes. 12 to 18, you said? Yeah, kind of ages 12 mm. to 18. What are your top three uh, Christian music genre groups or artists? Who's going first? You can go. Number one, Switchfoot. Okay. Number two. <laughs> Kyle just rolled his eyes. Number two, um, Stellar Cart. 
Okay. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> Listen, I didn't say they were good. Well, Switchfoot is, is good. I don't care what anyone Eternal says. life is better. John Foreman is a genius. Don't at He's me. He's good. He's good. I love. I love Switchfoot. <laughs> All right, Stellar no, card then, was a horrible second choice. But. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number three? Um, it's tied between oh, oh Hillsong United probably. All Do right. they count or is that like worship? I mean, I think for you where you're at, um, that was definitely a part of the Christian music genre. So I'll accept it. I'm trying to think whose CDs I had. Yeah, Zoe Girl, Barlow Girl. Super Chick. Super Chick. That nice. was it. Super Chick was you my three. You could be a hero. Heroes do what's right. <laughs> <laughs> like a revolution. So, so, okay. So, you replied. So, there you're number three. <laughs> Super Chick. <laughs> that was in every uh, every 2000s movie in the fight I know, scene. I know. Can't believe you didn't pick Paramore. Remember when they were Christian? Yeah. For, like, they were Christian? for a hot minute. Do you remember when Evanescence for, was Christian for about two weeks? Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they released that one song and everyone was like, they're Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the the yeah, so did hinder the hype man was from some Christian band. Was it Twelve Stones or something yeah, like 12 that? Stones, Is that yeah. who it was? Yeah, Wait, oh, Twelve Stones. And then, like what after in like two weeks, the guitarist was like, "No, like f that. We're not Christian at all." <laughs> so they're pulling oh. the CDs off the off the shelves. <laughs> like, Mardell's is like <laughs> frantically in there at five a.m. Yeah. That was amazing. All right, so who's next? Kyle. Kyle, you got yours. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Petra. I grew up listening to Petra. Okay. Dad loves okay. Petra. Yeah. No doubt, it'll be I all mean, right. Yeah, so I mean, Petra still holds up. Here's the thing about Petra music: if you don't like the '80s music, that's one thing. Their lyrics, though, it's just straight scripture. Yeah, they, yeah. they didn't even they, uh, yeah, they didn't true. even try to get creative. It's just like let's just put this scripture <laughs> to '80s music. That's every worship <laughs> and song. So, well, as I got older and was like reading scripture more, I was like, oh, I already know this because of a Petra song. <laughs> <'Cause of> Petra. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Petra's um, one. Reliant K, all obviously, right, yeah, yeah. the best band of all time. Oh, my gosh. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, yeah, they weren't, like I said, they're kind of like along the lines of Switchfoot. They didn't really stay in that lane. My first CD ever, and this was when I was nine years old, so it's a little younger than what you said, was Jars of Clay, yeah. Much Afraid. Much Afraid, okay. And to this day, I love that CD. I love Jars of Clay. Like, like I said, Dan Hazeltine has kind of, he's been a controversial figure, but... He's great. Um, yeah, he's awesome. And they put out an album, their last album, like 2015 or something like that. Yeah. And it was just as good as, you know, they had their Christian radio dip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I think they came back out of it, like, better. Yeah, they got a little more uh, artistic. Um, you could tell they had freedom, didn't have labels. Yeah. You know, he's got and stuff. such a cool voice. Yeah. Okay. So Petra, Reliant K, Jars of Clay. Okay. Chris? Yes. Yeah, Reliant K was also on yeah. mine. Uh, the two lefts don't make rapid three do album was like uh, such that a was staple. Everything so for you that was such a good album. Mood rings. Uh, yeah, they're there. They are there. Um, then uh, showbread was okay. yeah. That that's when my family was like, yeah, this is gonna be our pagan child. When I started listening to them. Pagan and then, child. yeah, as soon as as soon as they saw the music video of them having like makeup and like uh, nail polish on, they're like, "Yep, there, he's going, he's going south." Wow. Um, and then third would probably be like MXPX. Okay. Yeah. MXPX, tooth and nail. Yeah. I was on my way to be with you today. There it is. Mm. Okay. And, uh, and so, what was your super chick? Switchfoot. Switchfoot. 
Wait, what? Hers was hers was Point of Grace. <laughs> Which one? FFH. Hey, 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 hey Put don't. Me in that. Um, I haven't given mine yet. So. <laughs> mine was Switchfoot. Stellar Cart, Super Stellar Chick. Cart, but I also want to give a shout out to Hawk Nelson. Maybe I would oh, make yeah. Hawk Nelson take the place Ooh, of yeah. Stellar Cart. Anyways. Old Hawk Nelson. Old Hawk, Old Hawk, New Hawk Nelson. Nelson. Jason Buns. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay, so those are all good. My top three. Uh, so from that age, uh, it's definitely DC Talk. Um, got played all the time. Yep. Jars of Clay. And that was like mm. writing that much afraid. I wasn't nine when that came out, but um, yeah, it was their their self titled album. If I left the zoo, much afraid. Those that kind of area, and then um, I know like popularity, like Audio Adrenaline was up there um, at that mm. time. But one band that really got kicked off in the late nineties, so I was like seventeen, and uh, it was the Elms. And uh, so they had a, a lot of great records, uh, only two. They were kind of one of those like Evanescence after a couple. But, they kind of admitted. But you were going to say Bleach. <laughs> hey, Bleach had a moment, oh, yeah. you know. Uh, Bleach, Bleach had a moment. But, uh, you know, so the Elms, they were my, my number three, probably in the most played category. So I still like their music, I, even though they definitely don't ascribe to being a, a Christian genre. Uh, yeah, I got to give honorable mention for me, uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Mm-hmm. Great Adventure. Uh, no, I was after my time. Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember that album. I had like one album of his, and I was just always listening to. Dive um, was it? I'm going deep. I'm diving in, or whatever. I'm going. It was. <laughs> I'm diving in. Listen, like I said, <laughs> this was just at the time. Yeah. Um, I didn't like DC Talk really. Really, like. I don't know something like it didn't the three singer thing. Well, I mean, I would, me. I, you know, I would definitely tell you it was a product of like they were just, you know, the the world was uh, seemed a lot bigger then. So it was a product of they were always on the radio. They were just by far the most popular. And I mean, I like their yeah. music for sure. I mean, I, I like the popular ones, but um, like I wouldn't listen to an album all the way through. Yeah. Yeah, I still can't um, shake the the how much uh, Jesus Freak sounds like it smells like Teen Spirit. Um, from Nirvana, that's still a little hard for me to to shake sometimes, but you know, hey, whatever. So, but yeah, I definitely listen to him a lot. Um, I mean, I was big into Carmen. Yeah, uh, who was it? Carmen was my first through fifth concert. <laughs> I feel like Kirk Franklin for me. Really? Yeah. Oh. See, I feel Stomp. like if Kyler would have been born a little earlier, she would have been really into Carmen. <laughs> I my first concert I ever went to was DC Talk opening up for Carmen. Wow. Have you ever gone and to a Carmen betwe- show? No, but I've heard his music. In between, I love Jesus. In between, there was a Bible Man performance. Oh, and oh, so, wow! Have I told with, you my uh, Bible Man story? Have I told you guys this? It's no. probably not great, is it? Well, we'll you caught him smoking a cigarette. <laughs> we'll probably. We'll probably <laughs> that was just his manager, actually. That was funny, but that was also kind of my childhood shattering. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> well, hey, uh, we should probably get to our guest today. Um, we've got a, a great interview lined up. Kyler, would you like to tell us about it? Yeah, Chris Douglas from National Community Church joins us. Um, he talks about worship and uh, their new album, The Jesus Way and What It's Like Recording a Live Album. Um, it was a great conversation. Really it was. It. it was a great conversation. And uh, so let's just get right to it. Pull out your notebooks and uh, enjoy. Here's Chris Douglas.
Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the Create Initiative podcast. Uh, uh, we just enjoy having you. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Really excited to talk to you guys, Jason and Kyler. Um, just looking to talk about worship and all things creative and a little project called The Jesus Way. Yeah, yeah and, and we're, we're going to get to that. But first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm from this this area, kind of born and raised in the DMV. That's not um, Department of Motor Vehicles for anyone who's not from here. It's a DC, Maryland, Virginia area. Um, my wife and I, uh, Catherine, we live on Capitol Hill. I've got two beautiful children, Ryan Grace. She's three years old. She's in that full three-nager kind of awesomeness <laughs> right now. It's amazing. Um, amazing creative she's you should be interviewing her if you want to talk about creative minds my daughter should be on the show um yeah man but she's all all things princess right now so i get to be prince daddy and i wear crowns <laughs> and bracelets and rings and tiaras and all that stuff um my son corbin's 19 months old wow. we call him our wrecking ball and uh he's just he's a bundle of energy right now he's into hockey and i love that i just love it um I can't forget our little dog, Cooper. Um, he's our Maltese. And so I basically haven't slept in like three and a half years. So nice. that's, that's kind of my life right now. Um, I came on staff at National Community Church in 2012 as our worship leader at our Capitol Hill location. And then became um, our worship pastor in 2017. So I had the privilege of overseeing over 150 volunteers wow. across uh, six locations in DC and Virginia. So I set vision and culture and I get to lead leaders and uh, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah it's a little, little bit about me. Well, awesome. awesome. Yeah. Cool. So how did you get involved um, in worship music um, and leading worship in the church? How did that all start? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, you know, we, we all have uh, preacher's kids. Well, I'm a, I'm a worship leader's kid, you know, so it's kind of like runs in my blood. My mom's a worship leader. She's still a worship leader at our church that we, uh, we, I grew up at. And man, like some of my earliest memories are sitting in my parents' small group and, you know, my mom just leading those, you know, super simple renewal scripture songs. That's like, that's my heart and soul. You know, it's like the, as the deer, I exalt the, all that stuff, that eighties renewal is just like my happy place. Um, yeah. So I, I grew up in the Anglican church and that's kind of a bit of a stretch from where I am now. Definitely like a low church Anglican church, no smells, no bells, anything like that. But I got, <laughs> I, you know, I got a little bit of liturgy running in my blood and I like that. Um, you know, in Anglicanism, they talk about three streams of Anglicanism, liturgical, evangelical, kind of being Bible-based, missionally minded, and then charismatic. So I feel like really comfortable in, in all three of those lanes. And it's like really served me well, I think, in a ministry career. Um, gosh, but in terms of like worship leading itself, I started, I started playing the drums like, you know, so many other worship leaders did. I was a part of this little drum and fife core here in Northern Virginia called Northern Virginia Patriots. <laughs> so, um, did that thing. And Hold then on, how, can of, I, let me, did, yeah, did you, and, did you become like a, like wear colonial? Absolutely. I had, yeah. I had the tri-corner hat and yeah. I had the little, I don't even, what's that little thing that hangs the white thing? You know, I, like I, don't judges? Know. Yeah. I don't even know what that's called, but I had one. And, you know, we would march up and down and play our, our rudiments and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, that was that was where it all started. And maybe, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I should have stuck there. But, um, yeah, so played drums and uh, and then kind of switched over to guitar kind of around 11 or 12. And honestly, like I didn't 
like I didn't even have a venue of leading worship at that point. They, like my earliest worship experience for me was like locking myself in my bathroom and playing worship music on my guitar. And because mm. everything sounds better in your bathroom, yeah. you know, like, that's why we all sing in the shower. It sounds awesome. I'm the best singer in the shower. Um, but, you know, that was back. Like I remember printing off like David Crowder chord charts off of his website. Yeah, he yeah. had like every single album up there. And I cut like, you know, cut my little chord charts out and tape them up against the mirror. But like, that was, that was what was the genesis for me as a worship leader. And in that season, that was where I discovered who Jesus was and who the Holy Spirit was, you know, when no one was around, when no one was watching, I would worship for two or three hours a day. And I just think that that in particular is so crucial to who I've become as a worship leader and as a worship pastor. So yeah, yeah. the secret place, that's a great great foundation the secret place my bathroom yeah. my bathroom <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> but it's so true sorry <laughs> no that's yeah it totally is it um you know I, I think and we may talk about this a little bit later but the anglican upbringing um because yeah. uh well i know we'll talk about later but in in your new the newest album your church is released like there's yes. you, you get that a little bit you know yeah. you, you you feel some of that liturgical um, style and 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 you know I'm sure for you, uh, for some of our listeners who may have grown up more charismatic or whatever, that the idea of like call and response and stuff, yeah, um, may sure. feel a little bit weird. But we're I feel like we're seeing that more even in an evangelical sense. It's it's taking hold more in the church today. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, on that call and response piece, it's so cool because like it it, it really floats across so many different streams mm-hmm. of, of the church world. I mean, really having its roots in that, in the gospel community yeah, yeah. and the gospel genre. But I think even when you look at the the book of common prayer, you know, within the Anglican church, I mean, there is this element of call and response. And so it's, it's been really kind of neat to see how culture and genre and different Christian traditions are kind of colliding right mm-hmm. now at this point. I think mm-hmm. it's something really special that we're seeing um, in this kind of current movement that the Holy Spirit's doing in the church. Yeah, I, I think so too. And, um, you know, it's just, for me, you, you brought up the Book of Common Prayer, or if you read like the Daily Lectionary or something, the idea that globally the church, you know, on a Sunday morning, they may all be reading these these verses today. You know, yeah. like there's just something empowering about that to think it's so much bigger than your local congregation. You know, I think that's cool. Absolutely. Um, well, so kind of with that in mind and your upbringing and the secret place that is your bathroom and, and, and what you've, <laughs> what, what, what you've learned um, or what, what you're learning is you've, you've uh, become the worship pastor at NCC. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that, that, that you've learned or that has evolved for you as far as leading worship? Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many things that, um, that I've picked up kind of along the way. I think right now um, I love like maybe focus this question a little bit on like the moment that we find ourselves in, because like every life has really just been flipped on its head. Mm -hmm. Church as we know, it has been flipped on its head. And I think we've all had to go online. And, and I mean, for a lot of worship leaders, like moving to a filming world, that's nothing new, but it's absolutely new for every person, you know, um, to be leading worship to an empty room. Like that's, that's not normal. You know, that's not, that's not real life. And, and it, but it's the life that we find ourselves in right now. And like, I think for, for me, firstly, it's a huge reminder of how special 
congregational worship is, you know, like, yes, we know worship is a personal thing. We know worship is the way that we live our life. Like we know all those things about worship, but in a church context, and you just hit on this with the book of common prayer, worship is communal. It's Mm -hmm. something that we all engage in and do that together. And so I think in this season, this loss, like this grieving that we're all kind of experiencing in this moment, um, highlights just how profound worship is to the Christian experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, you know, as hard as we work in filling that absence, and I really think we should, like it, it takes work and it takes intentionality. There is no substitute, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I think in this season right now, like my focus is, an excitement for the day. And hopefully that day is not too far off when we can all be together back in one Mm -hmm. room in one space, worshiping Jesus together. Um, But, and and tied onto this, I think secondly, I was surprised how much energy and animation that like I feed off of the congregation from when we worship together, you know, like when, and, and so I think for me, this season has been a healthy gut check, right? It's, it's forced me back to that first place. It's forced me back into my bathroom. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, yeah. That's going to be the running joke. It I'm going to turn yeah. off. You know, <laughs> it is it, what it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but you know, it's forced me back to that spot where it's, it's me and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that like my worship is for him. My energy is drawn from him and given back to him in praise. And, and you know, it's that whole audience of one idea. And, and so I think that's really key, but also like, we hold that bit in tension, right? With how we lead, how we pastor through the lens of a camera. And, um, and that's the piece that like, we have to figure out. And I think mm-hmm. we're still figuring out, I'm still figuring it out. Um, but I'd say that kind of the one, the one thing that's been, um, that I've discovered in this is that like, how dependent I have to be on the Holy Spirit um, in the moment, because like there is a way that he wants to move. And there are things that he wants to say to specific people that are watching. And there's specific people who aren't in the room with me, mm-hmm. you know, who I'm not looking at and, and knowing, you know, Oh, there's Johnny. And I know what he's walking through because mm-hmm. I see him sitting right there. It's, it's, there are people through the lens of that camera. And what it means is I have to rely on that prophetic nature of, of, the Holy Spirit. And, and so I would say in this season, I've been so encouraged to like receive emails from people in our congregation and frankly beyond, you know, across the country and in the world who are receiving healing through obedience by giving a word of knowledge or, or experiencing freedom or encouragement from a, a prophetic word. Um, and so like, yeah, we have opportunities right now in our midst, even in, in this challenging environment to make it personal and to pastor people through that lens of the camera. It's not performance, it's pastoring, mm-hmm. right? That's good. So good. That's good. This might be a little bit repetitive, but um, yeah. what are you uh, what are you passionate about right now in leading worship? I know a lot of times we see yeah. trends and the, like, the most popular worship songs, kind of what the global church is walking through, but what, what are you passionate about right now? Wow. You really teed me up. That was awesome. That's like, that's really, (laughs) um, my passion point right now is giving the local church her voice back in worship. Like, I think Mm -hmm. if, if there was one thing that would be it. Um, and, and you hit it there, Kyler, like 
there are big C, like big C church mm-hmm. songs, you know, the blessing, like big C <laughs> church song. Every city yeah. has, you know, a Brady Bunch video of the blessing out there, right? <laughs> right. We've church. all got it. We've yeah. all done it, right? It's it's a big C church song. And and those are gifts from God to the entire church. Um, but there are songs for our local church communities yeah. and for our yeah. cities as well. And 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 that's what I'm passionate about. Like as songwriters, I think like, you know, we miss the mark when our intention or our measure for success centers around writing the next hit mm-hmm. or getting the next cut, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And and I've lived that. Like that's been my story and it stinks. Like it's an awful place to be in. It stifles creativity. Mm-hmm. It leaves you disappointed. And in the end, like you end up writing songs that no one wants to sing. Your own church doesn't want to sing those songs or listen to them. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think on that, on this creative side, you know, first and foremost, like I'm a songwriter because I'm called to be a songwriter, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's an, it's an obedience thing for me. It's, it's an act of worship for me. You know, most of the songs that I write are me and Jesus songs. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be songs that you never hear that never get done in the church. And those songs are so special and they're still worth writing. Yeah. And, um, when I became the worship pastor at, at NCC in 2017, <clears throat> you know, I heard that still small voice of God whispered to me, and this is this has been what we've done. He asked me to sing your prayers, sing mm-hmm. sing your prayers to me, and this was an invitation for us to sing songs out of the overflow of our own relationship with Jesus. It's a it seems like a simple thing, right? Um, and I didn't realize how hard that ask was going to be seven and a half months later when I lost my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, after seven and a half months of living in a hospital as she battled um, a congenital heart defect, I didn't, I didn't realize how hard it would be to sing my prayers back to God. And it took me, man, it took me eight months to gain the courage and have been able to process some of my feelings to write that prayer, to write that song. But that's where a song like Fallen to Kindness comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the beauty of it is it wasn't just my prayer, but it was my church's prayer, our whole community rallied around Catherine and I in that season, in the, in the season in the hospital. I mean, man, bringing us groceries and cleaning our house. And I mean, everything you could think of, they were there. And then they were there when my miracle died, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that song gave our church a voice in bringing our pain and our disappointment back to God. And, um, you know, not everyone understands, and, and, and hopefully no one ever has to understand the pain of losing a child, but everyone experiences suffering, mm-hmm. and everyone has miracles and dreams that die. Like, in, in I like to I like to tell people, like, because everyone, everyone, everyone's always like, you know, I don't, I could never understand what you walked through or what you went through on that, and I'm like, like, that's, I, I understand what you're trying to say, but 
your suffering is valid. And the, mm-hmm. the, the thing that you're walking through right now is the hardest thing that you have to walk through in this moment. And mm-hmm. so like, I, I'm standing by you in that. And like, don't downplay that. Meet Jesus in the process of that. So, um, but those kind of songs give voice back to our church. And, and no doubt, like the worship world right now is 100% oversaturated with new music. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. we've got a lot of it. Um, we move from like one big song to the next big song or big album, like every other week right now, Mm -hmm. but that shouldn't be a discouragement for the local church, um, to not find her voice and find her song in the moment. Um, fall into kindness, you know, it's probably never going to, it, it's never going to become the next, how great is our God, but it's been Mm -hmm. a powerful and prophetic rallying cry for our people and our congregation. And there are, there are worship leaders that need to write those songs for their church, mm-hmm. right? And prophetic songs for their house to speak to that moment um, where their church is at. That's that's what I'm passionate about. I'm really passionate about that. That's wow. so good. And I think that applies to more than just like worship culture in a yes. church. That yeah. So many creatives look at what the bigger churches are doing and they're totally missing what's happening in their church um, creatively, whether it's a graphic they need to yeah. post or a song they yeah. need to write. That's so good. Yeah. And, you know, I this is something I always struggle with and, and it probably because it doesn't take long for my mind to go to really dark places. Yeah. Um, but like I've always struggled. I feel like sometimes the church is afraid to, to sing their suffering, um, yes. or even to pray it, to pray their suffering. And, and, you know, I've, I've, uh, you, you talking about the things that you and your family had to go through and how eventually it took time, but eventually that became something that you could sing and that ultimately the whole church could sing that suffering together. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, how, how can we get better as the church in, in it, in it, definitely in worship yeah. music, but I think just even in the things we create, how can we get better at acknowledging, you know, you know, God, sometimes life is not, is not good, but yet yeah. we'll still praise you. We'll still honor you and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, I mean, sometimes I think we're afraid to do that mm-hmm. or, or we say that that's not faith, you know, or that mm-hmm. you're, you're exercising doubt and not faith in the God who's going to get you through. And, and what I always say is like, like God doesn't always promise us deliverance from, he always promises us his presence with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, it's an important distinction. Um, but our, and yeah, we've been in this season where like, we don't want to go to those places for, for various reasons, but we even look at our own worship text, uh, the song. Yeah. And I mean, oh my gosh, if you want to talk about lament mm-hmm. and you want to talk about justice and you want to talk about, man, pouring your heart out and, and asking hard questions of God, like it's there <laughs> and, and God's big enough to handle those questions. A hundred percent. He's big enough to handle those questions. Um, and I think we honestly probably don't ever move through those things and heal from those things because we're afraid to bring them to God in the first mm-hmm. place in our worship. Um, and you know, it's, it, it's a process like, you know, my wife, Catherine, like, you know, she talked about, um, just that season after losing our daughter, like just not being able to sing. And that's, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's, that's an okay place to be in. Um, That's not fake. That's not, um, 
that's not a lack of faith. That's just where we are. And to see the healing that's happened in our lives, um, to be able to do what we do and, and sing the songs that we sing and, and yes, lean into to the pain and the suffering, but also declare like, you've never failed and you never will. Like that's yeah, another song yeah. in this record, you know, that like I wrote that, that was like my first declaration. Like, I still believe, I still believe that you are able is the first is the first lyric I wrote after losing my kid. And like, it's this tension that we live in. And I think it's, it's, it's a good place to be in. Um, but I, I would say I'm excited about where the church is at right now. You're seeing, you're seeing this realization of, of being able to bring um, pain and suffering to God, to ask hard questions, mm-hmm. to, you know, to write songs of justice. It's a healthy thing. Um, and so I definitely see in a course correction, but we need to hold both intention, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, you know, and you, you've mentioned a couple songs on this, this new album, the Jesus way, um, is a live recording that you guys did. Um, and, uh, can you tell us a little bit, I mean, you, I think you've, you've alluded to, to where some of these songs came from, but you know, wh- how did as a church and as a worship team, you decide like, w- let's, let's make this happen. Let's turn it into an album that we can share not only with yeah. our local church, but with the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, just giving you guys a little backstory, you know, I, I told you like we were, about being obedient and intentional to this word to sing your prayers. And like, that's really where it started in the past, like our, in the past season, um, our approach to writing worship was this idea of songs for series. That, that's what we called okay. it, songs for series where, you know, we were taking Pastor Mark, our teaching team and pairing songs to go along with mm-hmm. it um, for our, our sermon series here at NCC. And like, that's not a new idea. You know, we that's like what the Wesley brothers did, right? You know, Charles Wesley was in there preaching and then you had John in the back writing the sermon yeah. to song. And like, songs are super sticky, right? They're memorable. Mm -hmm. And I think they're a great tool to help people, um, you know, remember that content. Like, honestly, I can probably remember five sermons. Like I can count them on one hand. I don't know how many dozens or hundreds of songs that are in my memory, you know? Um, And so like, I would say maybe to some of your listeners, like if you're thinking about starting a writing culture in your church, this might be a really, really good place to start to get some influence with their pastors. Say, hey, I want to write songs to go along with where where you're leading us and what you're thinking and where you're preaching. Like three months out, six months out, I think that's a it's a great angle to play and it's a great place to start for um, you know creating a worship songwriting culture at your church. But we really felt this conscious conscientious shift away in our approach, and we were moving away from this idea of songs for series. And looking to write songs for seasons. Um, And it's this idea that if we as worship leaders and pastors are engaged and active in the daily life of our church, that our prayers that come out of the overflow of us are emotionally and spiritually connected and tied into our larger church. Um, So that's a little bit of the writing backdrop. But for me, like my main goal of success for this record was to create a project that our church loves. Like if it didn't go beyond our church and our church loved it, win, did it. Mm -hmm. And um, but for us, it meant writing and introducing a ton of songs and only recording, you know, what was sticking in our church. So um, we set out with a goal at 2018 that we were going to write 35 songs wow. a year as a team. Um, and that for us, that was an ambitious goal. You know, yeah. I think at the end of 2018, we ended up with 33 songs. And by the time we were like looking at what we were doing um, with an album, we had 
just over 65 songs in our catalog of that season. And then 22 of them could have easily gone on the record and we were trying to whittle it down to 10 or, and we got to 11. Um, and so that was a little bit of that, that process. When we first introduced our song, Hope of Glory, Pastor Mark pulled me aside and, um, and he said, man, like that idea of the Jesus way, that resonates strong. I haven't heard that before. I, you know, we talk about the way Mm -hmm. and the church being the way, but the Jesus way, he said, that's, there's something there. He's like, that might make a great title. And so that, that stuck with us as a team. Um, It it became the lens that we kind of viewed um, our songs through. And it's funny, I'm, I walked into my office for like the first time in like eight months here. Um, but I'm looking, I'm looking over at our board here and the notes that we were taking as we were kind of processing our record up here, it says songs that offer the human experience to God, songs that capture the diversity of our church, songs for this moment in our church, prophesy your praise, the person of Jesus incarnate God. And so that's, I mean, really was the lens of um, behind this project. It, it, in you know, as we were pulling songs together, it became the through line. It's it's just, it's gritty worship. It's real experience. Um, it's real questions, real praise, um, real lament, real confession. Um, and Jesus and this, this countercultural way of the gospel is kind of the through line of it all. So good. I know yeah. we talked about um, you growing up, you know, doing music and all that things, all, all, the, all those things. Um, and I'm sure little Chris would be freaking out to know that you put out an <laughs> album with your church. Um, so what, what's the most exciting thing, your favorite part about recording this live album? Yeah. Oh man. There's so many moments. Um, you know, I think watching it back, not even the first, just kind of like the raw live stream. Um, I just cried kind of like watching that moment that my church walked through, it's such a communal record. Mm-hmm. And I think what I love about it is that there are so many fingerprints mm-hmm. on this project from the writing of the songs to the final product. We used as many of our own people in-house as we could, you know, to, to play the record, to, to produce songs and stuff like that. And so um, that was beautiful. One of our big initiatives right now is like, we're really desiring to grow as being a multicultural church here at NCC. And so for us, we're really intentional about the people we work with. We want to work with folks that are going to challenge us and inspire us, help us to grow in the direction that we feel God leading us. I mean, like for me, like I am a I am a pop rock Disney character, you know, like that's like, I I didn't tell you earlier, my degree as a BFA in musical theater, like that's my, you you put that aside. My my brother, that's his focus in college too. So I feel you get a backup job. No, I'm just kidding. Go for it. Live your life. Um, But like, you know, I need people who are going to challenge me and grow me and yeah. shape me mm-hmm. who can bring other things into it. So um, my friend, Mark Allen, schoolmaster has been a buddy since 2014, actually met it in AG, right. Um, and then a, a newer friend of mine, Kira Bjorn, like those guys have been instrumental in our team's growth of songwriters. If you want to be a better songwriter, write with better people than you, yeah. you know, that's how you grow. Um, and then, you know, both those guys have such like a diverse experience, um, in, in the area of songwriting. And then 
again, you know, bringing out, bringing in an outside voice to kind of be a prophetic sounding board for us, Greg Cox, one of, one of my good buddies, uh, talented, innovative producer. He's got his roots in gospel and hip hop recently won a Grammy with Kirk Franklin. Mm. And I just think like, you know, to have trust and friendship with someone like Greg was, is super special. And for, you know, he was able to look at who NCC worship is and pull stuff out of us that like we haven't, that's a prophetic gift, you know, mm-hmm. pull, pull yeah. God's um, uh, destiny out of you, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's a prophetic gift. And for us, we're not mimicking different genres, but authentically finding our own sound at the intersection of different cultures. Um, and in I said communal, to have your church's voice on the record is such a special thing mm-hmm. um, because then a record turns into an altar. It's a moment. Um, you remember where you were. You remember what you were walking through. You remember with meeting with God in that moment and what was happening in your life. And so these these live records in, in a very special way are like kind of altars that we look back at, remember what God did and draw faith for the future in that. So, man, that was... That was a lot, but that was what was most exciting about the live aspect because you don't get that in the studio record yeah. all the time, you know. True, so good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. And I mean, just a couple of things you mentioned that I'm I'm thinking like they they apply to so much more than than recording an album. But you know, the mm-hmm. idea of bringing in outside voices or people that will challenge your yeah. thinking or or you know culturally, you know, people who come from different cultures. And um, you know, for someone who's who kind of realizes like right now we're in an echo chamber. You know, we've got yes. our one voice. We we've, you know, how, I guess, how did you guys go about trying to find those outside voices or can you offer any insight on, on how others can, can surround themselves with people who will, you know, offer different points of view? Get off Facebook. Yeah. Uh, yeah for one. No, uh, no seriously. Don't say, yeah, no. don't say no. <laughs> nothing good happens on Facebook. I mean, literally the algorithms are just programming you to see right. the same ideology that you yeah. have. And so, I mean, really get off Facebook. Um, I'm a firm believer. We are, one of the things that we say at NCC is the resources in the house. And mm. I, I think that applies bigger. I think God is looking to place people in your life. They're already in your life. You just have to kind of open your eyes to see who's on your periphery. Mm. I think one, that's true. But then two, be intentional in your in your city. Like know the churches around the corner from you. Know those people, make friendships, invite them out to coffee. You know, ha- um, I mean, I guess depending on where you live and what COVID yeah. restrictions you have, but you know, I mean, um, start, start building relationships with other people who aren't like you. And and again, it's really easy to build relationships with people who are like you. It takes intentionality to go and build relationships with folks who aren't like you, who Mm -hmm. have a different way of thinking, who have a different background, who don't look like you. Um, I I believe God puts those people in your life, but you're also going to have to go out and find them too. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you got to work for it a little bit. I don't know if that, that kind of answers the question. You know, I think it's great. Um, You know, and it's just, it, it's a challenge. I think, if people didn't realize it before, um, you know, I think right now in this time we're living in, they're, they're realizing it more than ever, um, how one-sided our points of view can be. Um, so I think that was just so great that you, you brought that up in, in producing a record, you know, that you wanted to have these outside voices. Um, I just think that's so powerful. Um, another thing, uh, that, that you mentioned that I thought, uh, this is just kind of a random question, but you mentioned how your, your lead pastor, Mark Batterson, he, he caught hold of the Jesus way. He's like, you should do something with this. Well, you know, for people who are familiar with him, you know, he's, he's kind of known as a creative 
pastor. You know, he's a, he's yes. a creative mind himself. Uh, kind of what's that dynamic of having a lead pastor who's who's known as being creative and and you know worship and creativity and your creative arts department? How does all that kind of work together? Man, it's amazing. I think um, you know, Pastor Mark. He's a visionary. You know, he he really. Um, he gets insight from heaven and, and draws that down and puts, put some wheels on it and, and sees it come to life, you know? And so, I mean, re- literally around here, we never have a shortage of creative vision and we never have a, um, Hey, you need to hold the reins back on, on running for it creatively right now. And so, um, you know, it's, it, it really is amazing. And if I can say one thing about pastor Mark, it's, you know, who, who you see him as from afar is awesome. And what I've loved about him over the last you know decade is like the closer I've gotten to him, the more I love him and respect him and honor him. Uh, you know, the guy who, who writes the, the book on prayer, like, mm-hmm. man, I have no doubt, you know, on any decision that he's made that, that had, that thing hasn't been prayed through mm-hmm. and, you know, he, he hadn't fasted over and, and, and I don't always agree, but I always trust like, you know, that man's vision, um, that he's, he has thought through it and prayed through it. Um, and, uh, and so I, yeah, I just, I love him and honor him and respect him. And, uh, yes, I, I feel very blessed to work under Pastor Mark. So, yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, g- so- g- kind of going back to the album, um, you know, you, you live in Washington, D.C., which at the time of this recording is, um, you know, this, the, this focal point of America, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and, and there's, uh, it, there's divisiveness, there's anxiety, you know, we've got the pandemic going on, all this stuff, you know, and with this record, you know, I know you, you really hope that people can, can receive that, that it's, it's about refocusing your heart, realigning everything to, to focus on Jesus. Um, yeah. you know, how, how do you feel about the album accomplishing this? Like, do you feel like that it's, it's hit the mark on that? Yeah, I mean, I really, I really believe that it, we're, we're getting back, we're getting back to Jesus, you know, and, and long before Republicans and Democrats were everything was Jesus, you yeah. know, and um, we, we have this, I don't know, culture is drawing a line down mm-hmm. in the sand and asking us to stand on either side of it. And that's just, that's not, that's not Jesus. Like, that's yeah. not the, that's not the Jesus way. There is another way um it's really easy to be a conservative church it's really easy to be a liberal church it's really hard um and to be a church where both republicans and democrats can come and worship together Mm -hmm. and that's been ncc and it's it's a powerful testimony i think to the church at large that you know what but it takes intentionality and it takes care and it takes threading a needle and um and so I think for us, we've tried to, to really live that out with this record. And, and I'm proud of the way that we've done that. I, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot at NCC is kind of the difference between the will of God and the way of God. And I think we're experiencing some of that right now in this um, season and culture is, you know, we know that God's will for our life is good, perfect, pleasing. It's Romans 12 too, like Romans 12 too. Um, and I, I often like to think of, God's will for us is like his original intent for creation, but so much of the world around us doesn't line up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Pastor Mark and I had a conversation like it and that, you know, the last couple of days as, as Keelan was, 
you know, kind of approaching that point of, you know, of dying and, and she was dying and, and we, we wrestled through what is, what is this will of God versus the way of God? I mean, the will of God for Keelan was wholeness and healing and, and completion, but the way of God is different than that. Like the way to God's will is not simple. It's not straightforward. It's not pain-free. It comes with bumps and bruises mm-hmm. in this world. You will have trouble. And I think we're experiencing that right now mm-hmm. in culture, but in the midst of like all the tension that we find ourselves, Jesus stands apart as the example for us in, in the gospels, like he, he embodied that way of the will of God while navigating confusion, while navigating human experience. And, and so we want to follow his path and his way in this. And, um, you know, we want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And, and I think that's what these songs get at. Um, it, it helps us realign, refocus our eyes on Christ. And, um, and, and I think in, in that sense too, like, our, the songs that we write are discipleship tools. They're, they're spiritual um, formation tools, like songs where we encounter God and become more like him. And it's, it's not just encountering God on the mountaintop, it's encountering God in the pain. It's countering mm-hmm. God in the anxiety and the tension, the division um, and saying like, Jesus is here and I choose to worship you. And you are the example that I'm going to follow in that. That's awesome. Um, just more of a practical question. I know you talked a little bit about the songwriting process um, yeah. with you and your um, your team. Um, I know a lot of churches, they go into, you know, seasons where they feel like they're supposed to release songs um, and they just kind of get stuck on their process. Like, you know, is it super spiritual? Like, do we light candles, you know, silence <laughs> the room and just wait for God to speak? Or do we just yes. go in and start brainstorming? Um, so what did that song process with your team look like? Yeah, that's... Um, I think for us, it was an acknowledgement that like creativity is a muscle and, mm-hmm. and that's, and that that's true regardless if it's songwriting mm-hmm. or something else yeah. like inspiration, it's not going to just fall from the sky into your lap. Mm-hmm. It's a cultivated um, life discipline. Like that's, that's what it is. And like one of the things that stuck with me um, and it's something that we live by on our team and our songwriting process, Ruben Morgan um, said, if you want to be a songwriter, show me your calendar. And I think that's a powerful idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, his thought is that songwriting or any kind of creativity, it doesn't happen on its own, but it's something that you have to intentionally dedicate time to growing that creative muscle. Um, and so, <clears throat> yeah, that's, I mean, that's what we've done is we've set intentional times um, in our week to write, we've sent intentional seasons within our year to really go after something. Um, you know, we do three writing retreats a year. Um, and that's, that's our, that's our model. That's our goal. Um, you know, we, we collect as many voices on our team mm-hmm. and in our own church as we can to bring to the table. And then, like I said earlier, is like, we invite outside folks to, to speak into us too, because that's where we grow as songwriters. That's where we grow as creatives. Um, if yeah yeah that's good 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 um so all that was so great um do you have any last words of encouragement to any creatives or worship leaders out there yeah absolutely kind of in that in that vein is that i was just talking about you know i hear a lot that like you've 
to be a songwriter, you've got to write a song every day, or you have to be a writer, you have to write every day. And I just, I don't think maybe that's a realistic place to start. I've got a lot of friends who do that. They're prolific writers, they're amazing. I wish I was like them, um, but they've cultivated a muscle to do that. And so my encouragement to creatives would be like, you need to start somewhere, right? So maybe start, maybe start with writing one song a week. And maybe that might be too much too, right? Like set an hour or two hours once a week to just to write. Um, I, I kind of dabbled in in some running. I ran uh, a marathon about a year and a half ago. And, um, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like conditioned to run a marathon like day one. Uh, no, it starts with a lot of short runs, right? And then it starts with some short races, some 5Ks, 8Ks, 10Ks. And like you build up to that point of being able to do something. And I think it's the same way with creativity. So start somewhere. If you want to be a writer or, or any creative discipline, put it on your calendar, set aside a time. No one's going to force you to do that. You have to do it for yourself. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a muscle worth getting in shape and pouring back to your church and uh, allowing God to prophetically speak through you, through his Holy Spirit and the giftings that he's given you. And so that's my prayer over uh, all the listeners today. I cannot explain in all so much Chris for joining us um, man, that was great stuff talking about worship and I hope you guys found that useful especially worship leaders hope you took a lot of great notes he's got a lot of wisdom yeah it was great and so I hope that you did enjoy it uh, well hey uh, before we get out of here what do you guys want to talk about oh um Enneagram didn't we want to talk about that you want to talk about it I mean we can I know Kyle has hard opinions about the Enneagram. I've seen, I've seen slowly but surely. Are you, are you guys saying Enneagram or Ennea scam? <laughs> I'm seeing slowly but surely more uh, articles coming out, Christian articles saying, you know. Really? I thought we were past that. I thought that was like a 2017 through 2019 thing. Hold on. What are, let, let her finish her thought. <laughs> no, that was it. That was the thought. Go articles ahead. about what? Oh, the Enneagram not being uh, like things Christians should be a part of. And it's like, uh, oh, like the, you know, like the origins of it aren't aren't Christian or something like that. Mm. I haven't done a lot of research, well, but I'm a type three. <laughs> wing two wing two <laughs> that was good I don't know Kyle must have got mad um, once you said what you were because now he's no longer with us but um, what if we just see him never mind that was dark <laughs> that will, yeah, I think you were about to go to a dark place but um, yeah it's it's we're seeing the tide turn because like a couple years ago it, it was everywhere of like you know this is like the Christian personality strengths finder test or whatever um, but we're seeing people uh, start to kind of turn on it a little bit Kyle you called it the Ennea scam you what? called it the Ennea scam listen <laughs> hot takes with Kyle here we go Here's the thing. I think that someone could learn a reason why maybe they do some things by reading it, figuring out what number you yeah. are, all that junk. Um, that's not what it's being used for, though. Like, 
there's a billion different ways you can figure out why you are the way you are, like chemically and all this. But everyone, it's just been an excuse. In my experience, it's been an excuse for people that just be like, well, I tell that as it is because I'm a what, whatever number. You know what but I mean? It, and it's like, well. Yeah, like I've never, honestly for me. I've experienced that a lot. Well, it's not that I haven't experienced that. I've I've never personally differentiated this from like a Myers Briggs or like a disc assessment or something. It's like they're just personality types. You know how if yeah, you want to, you know, like if you want to make the questions, like you can become who you want to be by <laughs> answering the questions a certain way. You know, yeah. so like I don't. I, I guess I've never thought too deeply into it as to how it how I it would, makes me me. Does that make sense? I would relate it. I would relate it the same to those. Like we used to do the disc test yeah, and. Disc. I was just like, and so then, but then it was just like, oh, you're such a DI. Yeah, or INTJ. And I was like, that's me. ENFTP. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's not helpful at all. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, it can kind of like you said, I guess it can provide some enlightenment, but it's like it, it wasn't necessarily anything I didn't already know about well, myself. Well, I think that's yeah. why it was so significant because I, like for me, when I found out, when I took the test and I was like a type three, the things that was affirming, like, oh, threes have a lot of childhood wounds and they like to do things for people's approval. I was like, oh my gosh. So that really, like, that you felt is like it me. But it's like, it's it was affirming things I already knew. Most likely to end up as a murderer, yeah. Oh, wow. I, haven't, I didn't see that one. Yeah, it's in the bottom. I hadn't okay. even thought about murdering someone until I read that. And so now I'm like, yes. I'm a murderer. <laughs> well, I knew I was, it. But it's just who I am. It's it's, it's my wing, It's my wing. Guys. It's my well, wing. Well, you know, for me, Chris. Uh, that'll hold up in court. Producer Chris, you get in on this. What are, what are your thoughts? I mean, I don't know. Chris it's is such a 15. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally a 15. Um I don't know. It's just kind of. There's nine types. We really are. I feel like just relying on like as an excuse of like, oh, that's just how I am. So mm-hmm. it's my number. Sorry. Yeah. So it's just that's how I see it. Well, I think it's like anything else. Like you can read way too much into to something, and you make it more about yourself than about like who you are. You know, as God created you to be. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, those assessments can tell you like, yeah, it can reaffirm like, yeah, that's the type of person I am, but like, it doesn't make you the person you are, you know? Agreed. Disagree totally. Oh. I'm all Normal. for it. <laughs> You're all for just it. Just another day. <laughs> yeah, just another day. Kyle is in the opposition. That's, guys, that's just my wing. Okay. Can't we, can't we reach across the aisle and shake hands, Kyle? I will. I will say it has been beneficial for some people that aren't very self-aware. Yeah. So that's a plus. But then a lot of people are using it as a crutch. So. Yeah. Like, well, and I just don't get into the you know the articles that come out. And they're like, oh, this is you know, people say it's Christian. It's not Christian at all. It comes yeah. from like I honestly I could care less. Like, for me because I don't like I don't buy into it like that. Like it doesn't replace anything spiritually for me. Um, I guess there are people who maybe they do buy into it to the point that it becomes more like a self-help, you know, recipe than it does, you know, self-awareness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once again, I don't, I mean, I already said once, I don't read the Bible anymore. <laughs> because you don't need to. Because, <laughs> because I don't need to because of all the Petra I've listened yeah. to. And so if I'm needing to recall how I should li- be more like Jesus, I just have to think of the song, Don't Let Your Heart Be Hardened, you know? And then I quote that to myself and I because I'm a 42 right Kyler because I'm a 42 (laughs) I know like oh I've got this you got this man 
you can do it. And then I manifest that. Right. Man. <laughs> and then connecting the dots wow. there, everyone. Our viewers are hope you're following along. For life. Maybe we should yeah. start a church. I know. Maybe we, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like how you said viewers because our voices are making visible sound waves. Yep. So, viewers is correct. <laughs> that was a sound wave, in case you didn't know. I feel like, I feel like Kyler thinks all sound waves are like whale talk. That's how they are in my head. <laughs> <laughs> See, that would have a, a very long wave right there, that, that low It was more like, a, like an expanding... It would be a wave like this, yeah. and then... This would be a wave like this. <laughs> and for all of our listeners, you can't see what Kyle just did, but trust us, he's right. If they've got the new sound wave goggles that we've got up on our website for sale yeah, right 799 now. Oh, oh, whoa. <laughs> These are premium. With my code, KC20, you can get them for $5. <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't use that code. Off. Fine, you can use Kyle's Listen, code for only 5% off. Use my code and... All you have to do is buy us a roadcaster and I will give you the goggles <laughs> for free. That's a $600 investment. They're being manufactured in Kyle's garage. You know, uh, oh my garage is too full right now. I cannot make anything. It is there. it is times like this that just makes me wonder why does anyone in Australia listen to our podcast? Hey, our friends in Australia <laughs> or Denmark, Denmark, somebody in Denmark. Australia. Um, or anyone in America. Why is anybody listening to this right now? Maybe those people are just, maybe there are people right in like a small town in Oklahoma that are using a VPN. Maybe. That's that true. Is, <laughs> That's true. Thanks for, thanks for bringing are, that down, Kyle. Bringing reality they're worried, this conversation. You know, they don't want all them pizza shop liberals be <laughs> spying on them. So. Uh, well, we need to wrap it up, everybody. Oh, we gotta go. <laughs> Oh, man. So I'm glad we talked about creative things today. We do want to thank Chris Douglas for, for joining us. I think he carried the the creative idea load uh, for did. this podcast. But um, hope you guys enjoyed the the uh, end caps at the beginning and end of that. So, um, Kyle, do you got any last thoughts? Um, make sure. No, I don't. Kyler? Man, spread kindness, please. You never know what person is having car troubles or going without electricity and... It's some some tough times in this nation, so be kind to everyone. That's that's true, Chris. I'll ditto that. Ditto, ditto, don't ditto. ditto. My heart felt Okay, I take it back. I don't feel that way at all. I'm sorry, can I, oh, Chris. Wow. <laughs> be kind, rewind. Be kind and rewind. Go ahead, Chris. No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> wow. Chris, what? Chris was just texting me a second ago, saying how he couldn't stand all the 16s out there. They're the worst. And all right. Well, for Kyle Lee, for Kyler Clapp, and for producer Chris, I'm Jason Evans, and we thank you for uh, taking time to listen, and uh, we'll be back next week. Guys, we only have seven more weeks in 2020. Can you believe that? Make them count. Make them count. Be kind. Be kind to everybody. Love somebody, and uh, make a difference. We'll see you guys later. My problem is when people joke about the Enneagram like it's not serious. Yeah, like if there's more than nine and types. Yeah, like especially when people don't get the type, the number of how many numbers there mm, are. Yeah. Like, because like, for me personally, I just like to nerd out about the Enneagram. Yeah, I'm you know a big what I'm Ennea fan. And so I just like super geeking <laughs> out. And so um, anyways, I would like to invite all of you guys to my oils party this Saturday. <laughs> 
Um, I'm going to have different sections for different so numbers perfect. of Enneagrams. Different types, types, yes. So okay. different types of oils for and each number? Yeah, and after the hors d'oeuvres that I serve, we'll all get to try out this new toothpaste that I'm charcoal? peddling. So, no. yeah, it's, it's, well, it's black like the charcoal toothpaste, but there's no real extra benefit to the blackness and it will not come out so for several black days. Toothpaste. But, yeah, it's just regular Crest toothpaste that I put some food coloring mm. in. But <laughs> handmade. Um, <laughs> Shop local. Yeah, it's hand it's art it's artisan. So it is sixteen dollars a tube. And those tubes are wrapped in uh some twine, so you know that it came straight <laughs> is it from hemp? Etsy. Is it hemp twine? Yeah. Okay. It is not hemp twine. I actually have been spending several months now fashioning my own twine out of my cat's extra hair. <laughs> so um, but you know, uh, like wonderful. we're, like I said, we're talking about creative things, guys. I was just adding to it, you know. Thank you. 